Evidence and Answers. How can I share Christ with my Muslim friends? What are some effective facts to present when speaking with Muslims? How do I present my case without offending Muslims? You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is a popular teacher and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Sharing Christ with Muslims can be challenging. Today, Pat presents a method of evangelism that has been effective in reaching Muslims throughout the world. I'm sure you'll find this lesson very insightful and helpful in reaching your friends for Christ. Let's join Pat now as he explains how to share Christ with your Muslim friend. Hope you've enjoyed our series on Islam and understand the religion of Islam better and feel more equipped to effectively share your faith with your Muslim friends and family members. Now, in this final show of this series here, I want to share with you just one way. There are many ways to share Christ with Muslims. And if you listen to my shows with former Muslims like Nabil Qureshi and Abraham Sarkar and Jerry Rasamni and others, you'll see that they all came to Christ in different ways. And so there's different ways to share with your Muslim friends. Let me just share with you one particular approach that's been very effective, and it's because of my background in apologetics. This is kind of the apologetics approach here when sharing with your Muslim friends. Now, before we get into this, just remember there are a few barriers that you need to be aware of. First is the corruption of truth barrier. Remember in Islamic teaching that there were hundreds of prophets sent to all cultures of mankind, including Moses and Jesus, Elijah and other Old Testament prophets that presented the truth of God to their people. But their message has been corrupted. And it is Muhammad who came to correct those perversions. Therefore, many consider the Bible to be corrupted and no longer reliable. Second, we have the final word barrier. And Muhammad is considered the last and greatest of the prophets, and there can be no further revelation. Therefore, one is not allowed to question or challenge the teachings of the Quran as held by the local imam, and to question his teaching is prohibited. Then we have the greater reward and greater zeal barrier here. Zeal and strict adherence to the teachings of Islam will re- result in greater reward in paradise. So a zealous Muslim will be sharing his faith with others, not allowing someone to convert him. And finally, a very important one to remember is the ultimate penalty for leaving the Islamic religion. The penalty for apostasy is death. In Volume 9, Book 84 of the Hadith, Some of Muhammad's men are questioning how to treat those who have left the religion of Islam. And it says here, Some atheists were brought to Ali, that is, one of the disciples of Muhammad, and he burned them. The news of this event reached Abbas, who said, If I had been in his place, I would not have burnt them as Allah's apostle forbade it, saying, Do not punish anybody with Allah's punishment of fire. Instead, I would have killed them, according to the statement of Allah's apostle. Whoever changed his Islamic religion, then kill him. Former Muslim Ibn Warak writes, It is quite clear that under Islamic law, an apostate must be put to death. Even if a pubescent boy apostatizes, he is imprisoned until he comes of age. When if he persists in rejecting Islam, he must be put to death. And in Islam, this is a practice known as honor killing. And we see that in news throughout 
the Middle East, those who convert to Christianity or any other religion from Islam are imprisoned and many suffer the penalty of death. So remember that, the ultimate penalty. Keep that in mind, remember, as you're sharing with your Muslim friends. So you're going to be very patient with them. Don't expect them to convert right there in the first or second conversation. This is a process that may take years. Many of us who have not come from Christian homes pay a big price when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now here are some practical tips that my Muslim friends have shared with me. First, don't argue with your Muslim friends. To lose an argument is to lose face, which can be very humiliating. And remember what Jesus taught in Matthew 7, verse 6, Do not cast your pearls before swines, lest they be trampled upon. In other words, whether they're Muslim or atheist or whatever they may be, if they're not willing to engage you in intelligent, civil discussion, and they're not willing to listen, then it's fine to just move on. Even the Lord Jesus Christ said, you know, do not cast your pearls before swine. Even he knew that there is a point. If the other person is not listening, you can't carry on a healthy civil discussion, then it's not worth your time. Simply move on. As I mentioned earlier, be careful, be gentle, and be very factual when you're presenting a critique of the Quran or Muhammad. These are sacred in Islam. You do not criticize either of those two. Try not to get into a Trinity debate with your Muslim friend up front. You know, that can be a long, tiresome discussion. But often if they bring it up, you may want to ask them, what do you mean by the Trinity? Often they have the wrong view of the Trinity. And remember, don't take them to church until they are ready. In the mosque, the men worship in the sanctuary. The women are in a room in the back, separated. So it'll be difficult for them when they come to church and see men and women sitting together. The best way to witness to your Muslim friend, of course, is to get acquainted with them. You know, Muslims are wonderful people. And remember the distinction I'm making here. Islam and the teachings of the Quran and Muhammad, I believe, are violent. But the majority of Muslim people are very peaceful, nice and wonderful people that you can engage and develop great relationships with, especially here in the West. Pray with them. They're often impressed by the personal nature of the Christian's prayer. Remember, the relationship in Islam to God and his followers is as a master and a slave. The intimacy with which a Christian can have with the Creator is something foreign to Islam. Remember, in the Bible, the imagery that's portrayed there, father to son, sheep to shepherd, husband to wife, bride to bridegroom, that intimate relationship that we have where we can engage our Heavenly Father personally through His Son, Jesus Christ, is something that is foreign to Islam. So you can demonstrate that through your prayer. Stress your personal relationship with God. And quote the Quran. You know, there's several key passages which you can use. I've shared with you previously. I'll share with you again in this presentation here. Try to speak to them one-on-one -on -one as much as possible in a crowd it's very difficult and you don't want someone to lose face in front of their family or their friends. You'll get a much better discussion if you do it one-on-one. -on -one. Some great passages to share with your Muslim friends, of course, the Sermon on the Mount. Many are impressed because in Islam it talks about the treatment of unbelievers. is quite violent compared to 
the Sermon on the Mount, you know, where Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. What contrast is that to the militant religion and example of Muhammad, who slew those who criticized him, who spread Islam by the sword? What a comparison to Muhammad, who spread his religion by the sword, who assassinated many of his critics and those who opposed him. He had them killed. So the Sermon on the Mount stands in stark contrast to that. Stress the facts of Jesus, his miracles, his virgin birth, sinless life, bodily ascension. That is all mentioned in the Quran. Then you're going to have to know Christian apologetics. You're going to share with them the evidence that the Bible has been accurately preserved and has not been corrupted over the centuries by the Christians and the Jews. And have a Bible study with them. Show them that in the Quran, Muhammad encouraged his people to read the Bible. And so a good Muslim would read the Bible. And so that would encourage them to enter into a Bible study with you. A great place to start would be the first few chapters of Genesis so that they understand the fall and the nature of sin. Remember in Islam, man is basically good but weak. And his weakness can be overcome by obeying the teachings of Muhammad. That is why Islam rejects the death and resurrection of Christ. One does not need a sacrifice to atone for sin. That can be accomplished through good works. So going through the first few chapters of Genesis gives them a background in understanding the nature of sin and the nature of man. And a great gospel that many like to use when sharing with Muslims because it explains the nature of Christ so much is the Gospel of John. Now, remember when sharing with your Muslim friends some of the key distinctions that we covered. When it comes to the nature of God, biblical Christianity teaches a Trinitarian monotheism, while Islam teaches a unified monotheism, that God is one and an absolute one. That Trinity is considered blasphemy in Islam. If the subject should come up, you know, you may want to ask your Muslim, what do they believe regarding the teaching of the Trinity? And many have a misunderstanding of the Trinity. Some from chapter 5 of the Quran, many believe that the Trinity is God the Father, the Son, and Mary. Or many think that the Trinity is teaching polytheism. So you may have to briefly explain the Trinity to them and stress that we're monotheists. And we believe in one God revealed in three distinct persons. Remember Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches Jesus is the unique divine Son of God, something that is considered blasphemy in the Quran. Another key distinction to remember is that the Bible teaches that every believer can have an intimate, close relationship with God, while Islam pictures the relationship as distant, as master and slave. When it comes to the doctrine of salvation, remember, Biblical Christianity operates by grace. We're saved by grace through faith, based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. Islam is based upon works, obedience to the teachings of Muhammad. And on the day of judgment, the book shall be revealed and people shall be judged upon their works. Therefore, remember, because Christianity is built on grace, it is the only religion in the world that can offer complete assurance of salvation because our assurance is not based on our good works but on the finished perfect work of Jesus Christ already done upon the cross whereas in other religions like Islam it's built on good works so there is no assurance of salvation 
there in Islam. And remember, the final key distinction is the nature of man. The Bible teaches that we are sinful. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of God's perfect standard. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. We need a Savior, and it has been provided to us in Jesus Christ. And we are saved by grace. It is received through faith in Jesus Christ. Islam does not teach that man is sinful by nature, but man is weak and needs the discipline taught in the Quran and through obedience to the teachings of the Quran and Muhammad, one may attain paradise here. Okay, so those are some of the key distinctions to keep in mind. Now, when sharing with your Muslim friend, I believe an effective approach is to compare Jesus and Muhammad and begin with what does the Quran say about Jesus? And you might be surprised, and they might be surprised. It affirms that Jesus was virgin-born, chapter 3 and 19 of the Quran. The Quran affirms that Jesus was sinless, chapter 19 of the Quran. It affirms that Jesus and actually Mary were not tainted by sin. Whereas throughout the Quran, in several places, Muhammad is called upon to confess and turn from his sin. Third, the Quran affirms that Jesus did miracles. Chapter 2 and chapter 5 of the Quran affirms that Jesus did many miracles. But Muhammad did not do miracles. In fact, in several places in the Quran, like chapter 3 and chapter 28, Muhammad even refused to do miracles. Next, Jesus did not die, but he miraculously ascended to heaven in chapter 3 and 4 and 19 of the Quran. But Muhammad, we know, did not have a miraculous birth and he died as any ordinary man has died. So when you compare the two, even in the Quran, even in the Quran, Jesus does greater works than Muhammad. So you need to ask your Muslim friend, look, even in the Quran, Jesus does greater things than Muhammad. So wouldn't you like to study about Jesus? the one who was miraculously born of a virgin, who did miracles, who was sinless, who never died but ascended to heaven. Compare him to Muhammad, who had a regular birth, who struggled in his battle over demons, who didn't do any miracles, who was a sinner, and who died a normal death. Well, compare him to Muhammad. Even in the Quran, Jesus is greater than Muhammad. Point that out to your Muslim friend and, and invite them. Say, wouldn't you want to study? most accurate historical work on the life of Jesus here found in the New Testament. Now to this, your Muslim friend may object and say, well, wait a minute, the Bible has been corrupted by the Jews and the Christians. Well, here's a simple way to answer this. First of all, Muhammad taught, if you want to test the truth of his teachings, he said, read the Bible. In several places of the Quran, he encouraged even the Jews and the Christians. You want to test the truth of my word? Well, read the Bible. Chapter 5 of the Quran, Muhammad said, Say, O people of the book, that's Jews and Christians, ye have no ground to stand upon unless ye stand fast by the law, the gospels, and all the revelation that has come to you from your Lord. In chapter 2 of the Quran, Muhammad wrote, Say we believe in Allah and the revelation given to us, and to Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, and the tribes, and that given to Moses and Jesus, and that given to all prophets from their Lord. 
we make no difference between one and another of them. So Muhammad encouraged his followers to read the Bible. So since Muhammad commanded that, all good Muslims should read the Bible. Now, another important thing to understand, in 630 AD, when Muhammad wrote, he believed that the Bible of his time was accurate and dependable. Well, guess what? We have manuscripts that predate Muhammad by centuries, and we have these manuscripts in museums throughout the Middle East and Europe. In fact, not only do we have these ancient manuscripts, we have old New Testament canons that predate Muhammad by centuries. For example, the Muratorian Canon and the Chester Beatty Papyri contain most of the New Testament books. The Muratorian Canon is dated 170 AD and the Chester Beatty Papyri is dated 250 AD. But then we also have complete translations of the New Testament. For example, Codex Vaticanus dates 325 AD. Codex Sinai Atticus dates 340 AD. The famous Latin Vulgate written by Jerome dates 384 AD. The Coptic translation of the New Testament goes back to the 4th century AD. We have these canons in museums in Europe and throughout the Middle East. In other words, the Bible that Muhammad thought was accurate and inspired in 630 AD is the same Bible that we have now. It hasn't been corrupted by the Christians and the Jews. In 630 AD, Muhammad thought the Bible he had was accurate. Well, we have Bibles from 630 AD and centuries before it hasn't been changed. So if Muhammad thought the Bible was accurate in his time, well, we can show that centuries before we have complete documents of the New Testament, it hasn't been changed. So the Bible that Muhammad had is the same one that we have today. And Muhammad encouraged his people to read the Bible. And so a good Muslim should obey the teachings of Muhammad. Guess what? A good Muslim then should read the Bible. So when you present those two facts that in the Quran, Jesus does greater things than Muhammad, that ought to pique the interest of your Muslim friend to study the life of Jesus and that the life of Jesus is accurately recorded in the New Testament, which Muhammad encouraged the Muslims to read. You know, those verses of the Quran that I shared are some of my favorite to quote with Muslims because Muhammad encouraged them to read the Bible. You know, and that should free up your Muslim friend to sit down and say, well, then I'll take a Bible and I'll study it on my own or, well, I'll be glad to study the Bible with you because that's what a good Muslim was commanded to do by Muhammad. And that ought to free them up from their fear of studying the Bible. Now, this particular approach, which I showed with you, is the apologetics approach. So you're going to have to know a little bit of Christian apologetics. So a great place to start is our website, evidenceandanswers.org, where you can learn about the great and compelling evidence for a Christian faith that you can share, not only with Muslims, but skeptics and atheists and those of other religions. And also, let me encourage you to buy a book that I also wrote called Unless I See, Is There Enough Evidence to Believe? That's a great book written, easy to understand book, giving you a complete approach on apologetics. It's really going to help you share your faith, not only to Muslims, but to all of your unbelieving friends. So it requires a little understanding of the things we've covered in Islam 
and some apologetics. But this approach that uh, I've just briefly covered with you has been tremendously effective all over the world. In fact, uh, one of our missionary friends used it, and in Bangladesh, an entire village of 10,000 Muslims came to Christ as a result of using this particular approach that uh, I just taught here. Well, that concludes our series on Islam. I hope you have enjoyed this series. I hope it gives you a greater understanding of Islam. I hope it shows you a clear comparison between Islam and Christianity and that you are thoroughly equipped to share your faith with your Muslim friends and family members. If you miss any part of this series, go to our website, evidenceandanswers.org, and you can hear the whole series. But also, listen to some of the great and powerful testimonies of some of our former Muslim friends, Nabil Qureshi, who was a Muslim apologist who came to Christ, Abraham Sarkar, who was a Muslim missionary to America who came to Christ, Jerry Rasamni, who was an Islamic jihadist who came to Christ, share their powerful and thrilling stories of how they came to Christ. And I hope it'll equip you and encourage you to share your faith with your Muslim friend. Well, as we end this series, let's close in a word of prayer together. Father, we thank you for the many Muslims who are coming to Christ. We pray that you'd continue to reach them with your gospel through the powerful testimony of missionaries, of our Christian brothers in Iraq, in Iran, in Pakistan, in Palestine, in Bangladesh, throughout the Muslim world. We pray that you would keep them safe so that they may accomplish their mission of bringing the gospel to the lost world. We pray that your word would be powerfully preached and to the Muslims who come here, may they come across wonderful Christians who are equipped and ready to present the power of your truth with love, conviction, intelligence, and integrity. May your word continue to thrive throughout the Middle East and may many of our Muslim friends and family members come to a saving knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ, and be freed from the bondage of this religion and find freedom in Jesus Christ. And we pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's exciting to hear what God is doing among Muslims throughout the world. I hope this message gave you great insights to effectively sharing your faith with your Muslim friend. It is our prayer that God would use you to touch the lives of those who do not know Jesus, especially your Muslim friends. This message, along with others on Islam and the world religions, are available at evidenceandanswers.org. Pat's ministry relies on the generous donations from you, our listeners. If you've been blessed by Pat's teaching, please support him in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at evidenceandanswers.org. Join us next time as Pat continues to present evidence for faith in Christ and biblical answers to the challenges of today right here on Evidence and Answers.